Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are here for the second show of the week. It is Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. Got a fun show planned ahead. Looks like two interviews, so uh, that's going to be fun. One of them is literally an all-time favorite of ours. Joe Lazan will join us as he has now been rebooked to fight Donald Cerrone after the mishap down in uh, Phoenix, Arizona on May 7th, UFC 274. If you'll recall, Donald Cerrone got sick day of. So we'll talk to Joe Lazan, see what's what uh, he's feeling like as we get. Well, maybe we're two and a half, three weeks away from the rebooking out in Austin, Texas. And then Bo Nickel, O and O, but a beast in the in the uh, collegiate wrestling world. He's coming in as a three-time uh, former All-American and national champion, making his debut at Icon 3. That's Jorge Masvidal's promotion. So it uh, looks like we're going to catch up with him as well. Of course, with what time we have, we will go over some of the latest news. So let's get started. It's MMA Junkie Radio again on a Wednesday for your Thursday, June 2nd delivery. So it goes for the purposes of not giving people a, a four-hour-long show. Let's hustle through some of these stories, starting off with Dustin Poirier and his idea. He's chiming in now, and that whole debacle. You know, we the intro, we talked about UFC 274. We didn't have a title fight in the main event. Well, we did, half, half of a title fight, because Justin Gagey was eligible to win the title, but Charles Oliveira went home without the title, even though he won the fight, and even though he showed up on fight week, as the champ, Poirier's idea goes, is a digital scale. Now, you and I have had a digital scale probably the better half of 10, 15 years. Once you step on it, I believe it's pretty solid. You can step off and step on it again, and it's usually consistent. And we're at the bottom bottom level of digital scales. I imagine there's some up, there's some, uh, up there that are very, very detailed. What do you think of this? Well, what I like is that Usually what I do is I, I weigh myself three times because I do kind of get different readings sometimes from a digital scale. But then again, I'm not on the flattest of surfaces and, you know, all that type of stuff. So I'm sure, like you said, the more expensive the scale is, probably the better product you're going to have. But what I like about it is there's no human element to it, right? There's not, like you said, there's nobody tapping the scale, Um <clears throat> There's nobody leaning on anything or anything like that. So I kind of like this idea. I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer. I don't know why they haven't done this for a while. 
You'd love to hear the other side of this argument. But again, like it's got to be consistent with any other scale they have. Well, to me, the other side of the argument would be that I believe human error on purpose has actually given us, has probably saved us some some fights. You know, they're okay, we had the hall monitor down in Arizona who, you know, went by the book and teased them. But I, I think there's also been some people that has, that have given us a close enough, let's go, you know, once he says it and you take a sip of water, that's it. You know what I mean? So I almost think like the human error side of it has kind of benefited us. But that said, mm, I guess really, really, we want the fighters to be making the weight and not getting by on an ounce or two, especially because uh, if you have a straight shooter there, you know, what happened a few weeks ago is, is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway, um, I like the idea, but again, I, you know, speaking of scales, uh, TJ Dillashaw is teasing, teasing, Patty Pimlet for breaking scales, I guess, you know, the old, uh, the, the fat joke stuff. Cause I don't know if it was that picture of him in the Padres shirt or what, but he really does look like a big kid, man. He almost looks like, um, what's the guy that goes and saves the pygmies? Justin, what? Justin, Justin Ren? Ren? Yeah. He kind of looks like a big kid, you know, and he's only a, 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 a lightweight. Pimlet, of course, fired back. You know, TJ Dillashaw is an easy target when it comes to, you know, the, the mistakes he's made. But uh, Dillashaw didn't make bad points. You know, like if you want to be a world champion, you got to hover a little bit closer to where, you know, you, you normally compete in. And, you know, I don't know. I was a little shocked to see Pimlet that big. Dude, I, you're right. I don't know if it's the picture or what the deal is. I'm not trying to bag. I'm only using this person because of the hair. But it kind of reminded me of Engelberg, the way he looked from Bad News Bears, the way he looked in a jersey. He just looks like a huge kid, dude. Like, I don't know what the hell that is. I I really hope it's just a bad angle or something like that. Because if he's really that big, then there's just no way he's taking this sport as serious as you need to to be to be a champion. The Bears actually have those types of colors, if I'm not mistaken. So... That's actually a, a really, really good comparison. You hear about Ryan Hall. He tore his ACL, man. Um, he's looking to come back in 2023. I, he's like not like my favorite guy goes, but he is just such an interesting puzzle. Every time he fights, he gives people fits. He is difficult to – how can I put? You're right. He's fun to watch, but he can throw a lot of wrinkles into uh, – plans especially the UFC's plans because he's not that entertaining to watch and he can take really good fighters out so I don't know how they feel about this cat but uh seems like a nice guy and you know anytime you get a full tear like that I've actually heard that a full tear sometimes isn't the worst thing because at least now you're not playing with all right should I sit out six months versus eight months versus five months you just know they're going to repair it. It's going to be stronger than ever. And this is my timeline. So hopefully Ryan Hall returns because I do I do get a kick out of him. Yeah. Kayla Harrison versus Julia Budd. So they're not joking around over at PFL. This is now the second fight of the regular season. And they meet up in the uh, – let me see. It'll be the third fight 
of the second round of fights. And Bud, a former featherweight champ over at Bellator before losing her title to Chris Cyborg, she was a proper champ with title defenses, except she lost in her first outing here at PFL, moving up to lightweight. Kayla Harrison, of course, still undefeated. However, she didn't get the emphatic finish she's used to getting. Um, none of us treated it like it was a loss. It just wasn't it wasn't it, it, it wasn't Nunes and Cyborg-esque because everything they've all three of them have been doing have kind of kept them all in the same company, you know, of us wishing, gee, if only those three could meet. And so she took a little bit of a hit in that department. I think we're just kind of being picky, honestly. But I like the matchup. I like it too. I think it says a lot about PFL. Um, it's a good test for Kayla Harrison. I still think Kayla Harrison's going to come out on top, but I think there will be moments where she will feel a little bit more tested than she has in, in previous fights. It's been a while since the UFC has been on ABC. ABC is part of the Disney family and ESPN, of course, and the UFC fights are returning to ABC this summer. They got a barn burner, man. It's going to be uh, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. That's your headliner on July 16th as the UFC also returns back to Long Island, New York. I like it. Yeah. No, especially with that main event. The only problem is you have a guy like Gary Rodriguez who often just doesn't make it to the dance. And that's that's just that's such a perfect fight that I don't know that you want to look for any type of replacement on a big stage like that on an ABC. If everything works out. It's the perfect scenario because those two are going to come out and have a great, not just a banger, but it's going to be a good mixed martial arts fight. And I think it's something that's good for maybe that casual fan that tunes in to, to give MMA a try on ABC. Perfect, perfect fight. You just got to hope that Yair Rodriguez can make it to the fight. Well, yes, in K, here is the rest of the card. Askar Askarov versus Alex Perez. Jack Shore versus Ricky Simone. Amanda Limos versus Michelle Watterson. Bill Algio versus Billy Quarantillo. Lee Jingliang versus Mus- Muslim Salikov. Uh, Matt Schnell's already back. He is facing uh, Sue Mujeri. Dwight Grant versus Dustin Stolfus. Kusain Askaboff versus Herbert Burns. Dalcha Lambiambu- uh, Lam- Longjambula versus Puna Soriano. Dustin Jacoby versus Daun Zhang. So, yeah. You got me. I'll sit through that afternoon on ABC. It's got a lot of good fighters. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that there's good matchups. But it's got a lot of good fighters on it. We got a good fighter on hold. He's one of our favorites, like I said before. And uh, I always look forward to our chats. It's usually rapid fire with him. He knows how to do an interview. So let's kick back here and uh, welcome in Joel is on. We're going to set it up. We'll be right back. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another MMA superstar. He's back. It's Joe Lazan, who's going to be fighting Donald Cerrone on June 18th in uh, Austin, Texas, I believe. Right, Joe? Yep. Hopefully it happens this time. Yeah. That would be nice, right? Nice change, of, nice change of pace. So they're basically keeping, preserving the fight that was supposed to take place a few weeks ago. And uh, welcome back, Joe. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, thank you for having me back. It started on... April 30th at the Apex with no fans. Then it yes. got moved to May 5th, I believe, 
Seven. In an actual arena with a ton of fans as part of a pay-per-view, and now you're going to go down to a fight night, and that's fine. You'll still have your fans. But holy cow, what a process. They must really, really like the Lausanne-Cerrone matchup. Does uh, is, is that also come from you as well? Like, you really wanted that, or were you ever close to just drifting off and taking someone else off? For a little bit, I didn't know if I wanted to do the fight uh after like when, when he got sick because now i'm like all right you know now we're gonna do it six weeks later is he gonna is it gonna happen this time is like you're so mentally prepared like you do strength conditioning and things like that and like you're just you're focused on the date like it sucks so bad like doing that workout and like oh may 7th may 7th may 7th may 7th and then you get to be may 7th literally an hour before you're supposed to go to the arena fights off it's like it like completely took the wind out of my sails like i was like sick to my stomach didn't know if i wanted to even do it again didn't know if i wanted to fight again didn't know if i wanted to do any of it like just like it was like so, like soul crushing. Well, apparently um, he was sick to his stomach too, right? That's what we're hearing. So yeah, so they're saying he was sick. He was throwing up. He was super tired, super worn out. I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he had something bad. He could eat something bad, you know. Like uh, it could have been just eat a little too much, too fast. Just something didn't agree with the stomach. You know, couldn't fight. You know, you cut weight. You you need to put the the food back in. You need to put the water back in. If you can't, you can't fight. So I I understand. Like I'm I'm sure if it was within his ability to fight, he would have. Yeah. Um, but it didn't happen. So then it's like, oh, do I really want to? Do I want to go and do this again six weeks later? Is it actually going to happen this time? You know, we had a long camp to start with because I hadn't fought in a while. So we had like a like a twenty week camp going into it, and like, oh, let's just do another six weeks. No big deal. You do a six month camp. Who cares? And does that mean you had to kind of start over? Like, did you become Fat Joe again? No. And then to, or did you make sure you just kept the weight off and? extended the camp did you even get to decompress for like a weekend how I, do you treat your body so that it doesn't so that it responds its best six weeks later after after everything you put it through i went to we went to galaxy's edge which is like star wars land in florida like the following weekend for my buddy's bachelor party so we did that for a couple of days and i don't drink anyway so it doesn't matter but i ate a bunch of like crappy you know good delicious but unhealthy food um problem part of the problem was my weight was so low i think i was like walking at like 166 uh, a couple of days after the fight didn't happen so now it's like okay i don't want to be walking at 166 for the next six weeks i want to get heavier so i had to like i had to really go out of my way to kind of try to get a little heavier get back up to like 170 or so and then now i'm back to like 68 so i'll, I'll have an easy weight cut um but i definitely didn't want to not want to be at 66 for such a long time we spoke when the fight was first made and we talked about how a Lausanne fight is more than just a typical fight. I mean, I'm sure other fighters kind of commute with a, a large contingent, you know, contingency, uh, large contingency of fans and friends and family and everything. Um, but you know, you're you you definitely do. And so I wanted to ask you: uh, Are a lot of them where because it was day of, you know, so it's not like it happened on a Tuesday or nothing like that. They were all there. Are a lot of them going to be joining you in Austin? And, you know, is that too much or how, how will that work? Um, I think I'm going to have way more people in Austin than I would have had in Phoenix. Because oh, wow. just like the the Phoenix one, just like the way the timing worked out, there were a lot of people that really wanted to go, but they just, they had stuff going on. They had like, they were, I had buddies that were like, they're, they're going to like the Caribbean and they're trying to like change their flight. So they go from the Caribbean to fly right to, to, to Phoenix and things like that. Like, um, but we have a bunch of people that are going to come to Austin now for the fight, you know, a couple people that they went to, they went to Phoenix. that can't come to Austin, but a ton of people that, that could not do Phoenix that are doing Austin. So it'll be fun. Um, it'll be good. I definitely, I, I have a lot of people that come out for my fights. Like I have like, obviously I have a ton of members at my gym, 
but also just a ton of friends, a ton of people that have just been to so many of my fights. It's like, it's like, no, maybe it's the last one. I got to go to the, this one. I got to go to this one. You know, like it's whatever I've left for fights. I'm sure there'll be at every single one. So I always want to ask you that too, um, without making it sound like we just keep grinding you on, will this be your last fight? But you kind of <laughs> answered it. You're, do a lot of them maybe go because it could be, because again, yeah. it's always been such an experience for everyone. So I wonder if that's why they do it. Like they just don't want to miss out, you know? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. You know, it, it could be the last one. Like, I'm not like I'm not saying that to like uh, you know trying to like tease people. Like, it, it could be the last one. I have no idea. You know, um, this is now like almost like a second camp. You know, it's like we just did the entire cowboy camp for for Phoenix, and now we're doing like a, a shortened like six week camp for Austin, Texas. You know, so it's um, this is kind of like a second, a whole second fight. It feels like it's been a whole second camp. Uh, it's just been like a, a a lot of wear and tear, a lot of you know very grinding process. Um, what, is, what is it with you chowder heads up in Boston, man? Tom Brady can't decide. I know. You can't decide. You just have to I've never, what, What's worse is I think it was when people say, oh, I'm done. And then they come back. Like that, that's what Tom Brady did. He said he was retiring and then he's coming back. Uh, I've always been of the mindset. Like I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm retiring before a fight happens. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always going to say I'm going to make a, a choice as we go. Like I don't have to fight. I'm fighting because I want to fight. You know, like I, I think it'll be a great fight. You know, I think I'll do really well. I think it'll be a good fight against Cowboy. Uh, that's why I'm going to do this fight. You know, if I did not think it was going to go well, I wouldn't have done the fight. You know, I, I, this was like the easiest get out of jail free card for me ever. Right. If I didn't like the fight, you know, he pulls out of the fight. I'm like, all right, I'm done. You know, I, I don't, I don't have to do this fight. I don't have to commit to anything. I'm just, I'm good. Um, you know, but I, I like the fight. I really, really like the fight. Now, you know, uh, on the flip side, you know, who was a Boston guy who kept his word. He's actually from where you were born. I think you were actually from Brockton originally, yep. right? Yep. Well, Marvin Hagler, when he stepped away, that was it. That was it. He's done. That was it. Yeah. Yep. And um, but you know, I I, I feel bad because fighters, I think, know when they're done, but you just never know nowadays with the way the world turns. If a million dollar opportunity to fight at the top of a skyscraper in Dubai comes along, you know, against some tomato can, who's gonna pass that one up? You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like then they have to say, well, ninety nine point nine percent and all that. But yeah, you know, I think it's just. <laughs> I wouldn't hang yourself too much up on that. So many people respect you and Cowboy and what you've done. When you're ready, you're ready. But if you have to come back because there's an opportunity, we trust that it was in the best interest. Like, we don't it, – it doesn't strike us like, oh, man, he must have gotten a gambling debt or or nothing like that, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you'd be pasta debt. You're buying too much ice cream and too much pasta. Well, um, I joked earlier, but what's really the heaviest you've ever gotten? You're, you're um, no, in no way Fat Joe, that's for sure. So I got up to like 182 was the heaviest okay. ever. And that was like, probably like, that was maybe like last year, like last summer. And like, I was, I was training. I just, you know, but I was, I was more focused on like the gym, like trying to get the gym kind of organized. Like we moved our gym uh, a couple of times over. So we got like a bigger spot, better place. Everything was good. So like, I was just, I was spending so much time kind of like running it and doing that kind of part of it and less actual training. And, and training was just weird because, you know, COVID was still going on like pretty strong. So it was like, wasn't, wasn't trying to train with as many people. So I was trying to like limit it a little bit. So there's like, but I was like 182 was like the heaviest I've been in my entire life. So, so COVID and switching gyms, did that kill the vibe? Wasn't Lausanne's the spot on Saturdays or something like that where everyone. It, was, it, was kinda, it, it, it killed our steam. It didn't kill our steam, but like uh Rafant and Calvin Cater don't come down. Uh, they've not come down since all the COVID stuff happened, the pandemic stuff. They just, you know, they continued training. Like, you know, we couldn't train in my gym. Right. But, um, the short version is basically Calvin had a fight coming up and Calvin had like a Calvin runs a promotion combat zone, which is, you know, so he had his own cage 
he got some mats. He basically had like access to like some like garage space that wasn't being used. So they kind of just started doing their own thing. Uh, like a small group of, you know, it was like uh, Rob and Calvin and Tyson and a couple other guys. And they just kind of did their own thing. And now they just, they don't mix with everyone else a whole lot. Uh, otherwise. So we don't I, don't, I haven't seen them too much, but it used yeah. to be like, we were like the number one spot in New England. Now it's like, they're broken off a little bit, but there's still a ton of people that come to us. So it's, it's still fine. So it's like the Sinaloa cartel and the Nación. <laughs> they kind of splintered Mexico. That kind yeah, of you know, cartel. break off. You know, we still like you know, like I I work with Jake Benini, who's you know uh, Calvin and Rob's kickboxing coach, Muay Thai coach, uh, Crew Jake. He hates being called Crew Jake, so I call him Crew Jake every opportunity. Um, yeah, so it's you know, it's it's broken off a little bit, but it's still it's still good. Like I see, I still see Rob at, at Skill of Strength. We lift and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, all right. I'll turn it over to Ghost in just a second, but because. I get in this rhythm with you, man. That's why we love having you on the All show. All the time you want. All the time you want. I got you. So another thing I noticed was your kids are now old enough to enjoy the fights. How much of any of this is for them? Um, we've heard a lot of fighters say I wanted them to, you know, enjoy it for the first time in the arena. Sometimes it's the mom. Sometimes it's the kids. You know, not just because they haven't been there before. They may be being held up because they're a little toddler, but now they can understand, you know? So I know one of them is probably about seven or eight. The other one's about four. four so yeah. So, so Jake, Jake is four. Uh, and then Joey's eight. So Joey kind of understands a little bit, but not really. Like he doesn't really, like he kind of gets it, but not, not exactly. Like he knows like he, he you know, they both do jujitsu at my gym, you know? So they're both doing jujitsu for a while now. Uh, they both like jujitsu. They both know that I'm really good at jujitsu. They both know that, you know, like I, I fight on TV. Joey has come to a couple of UFCs. Um, so they kind of understand it, but I don't think they really quite understand exactly what's going on. Hey, Joe, I'm going to try yeah. and explain something to you. Okay. Let's see if we can be on the same. Okay. Yeah. I think one of the reasons we always ask you when you feel like your last fight is going to be. Yep. Do you have a, a favorite show that you watch like on Netflix or something like that? Uh, I watch a ton of TV shows. Okay, the other day George was watching a show. Okay. And let's just say season one, two, and three are yep. traditionally 10 episodes. Yep. But all of a sudden, it just had a season finale where it ended at episode eight. And yep. he wasn't prepared for it. And yep. I went through the same thing a week later. I was laughing when he told me. When you don't know something's coming to an end, like you want to kind of have like your favorite food, your fear, <laughs> you really want to get into it. And I just feel like we all just want to know we want to have our, our beer, our favorite food for the last Joe Lazon fight. So I guess what I'm going to ask you is, um, are you really the only guy that will ever know that? Like even wife, coach, it, will it really just be your moment and you're going to let them know when? Or will you let it slip out to anybody? No, I mean, I, I, I've had this conversation with my wife a lot. You know, like, you know, about like, you know, how many, how many more fights, things like that. You know, like, um, like my gym does great now. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing very, very well at my gym. Like I don't need to fight. Like, so it's, it's not a money thing anymore. Um, so I don't need to do that. You know, what I don't want is I personally don't want to put my wife through another, you know, me getting my butt kicked or getting knocked out or something like that. Right. Like, um, if it happened one more time, then, then that is definitely the end of it. You know, like if I go out and I fight cowboy and he kicks me in the face, you know, that, you know, you don't have to hear from me. I'm telling you right now that that will be the last fight. Um, you know, if I go out there and have like a, an even fight with cowboy and like, I don't get beat up, then, you know, maybe we'll fight again. If I go out there and I, you know, I, I blow them out of the water, maybe we'll fight again, you know, but the, the, the next time you see like a bad, a bad fight out of me, that's definitely the last time you don't have to hear from me that it's the last time, but you just know that that's, that's the last one. Um, 
You know, and that's just like, it's not like a, it's not a rule book, but it's kind of like, it's just, it's just kind of, that's just how it's going to be. So that's the decision tree. Joe gets beat up. It's bad. Done. You know what I mean? Joe, Joe, Joe maybe loses, but it's not a terrible fight. It's a, it's an even fight, whatever it's like that. Maybe we do it again. You know, Joe does really, really well. That's still just a, only a maybe. It's not a definitely going to do it again. Um, but I just, you know, but we, we've talked about it. You know, like I just, I think for me myself, I don't, I don't think I exactly know. Like, it's not like, Oh, I just have this, like this number in my head. It's just, I don't know. We'll just see. How do you keep yourself from overanalyzing this fight? Because you've had a long time to prepare for this guy. And now in between here, this, this time period, I'm sure you were prepared the day of until what happened happened. But do you even go back and watch more videos? Is there anything that you've picked up that you said, man, I didn't even see this the first time I prepared this guy. Uh, how do you keep yourself from overanalyzing everything? Um, no, I mean, we, we, we basically come up with a game plan early on and then we stick to it. You know, for better or worse, you need so much time to kind of, um, you know, to get everything dialed in and kind of prepare. Like I can't like, I can't decide like the day of the fight. Oh, we're going to do something different. So I'm going to work with my wrestling coach on something different. It's like, no, it's, you need to put a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of reps in whatever you're going to do. Um, so there, there were a couple like little wrinkles we've added now in the last, you know, a couple weeks because there were things that like, we kind of wish we had incorporated a little bit sooner, um, for the first fight. And then, but now, but it was too close. It's like, okay, well we're, we're two weeks out. We can't, we can't go and add this extra thing now. So we're just gonna, we're not going to worry about it. We're just gonna, that option is off the table. But then we, we had another six weeks, but, oh, well, I guess we could kind of add in this little thing. Um, you know, but we're definitely not like, you know, death by analyzation or anything like that. It's just like, oh no, we just kind of, it's like an ever like evolving kind of like living thing of like, okay, this is our game plan. This is what we're going to try and do. This is how we're going to try and execute. These are the triggers. These are things that we need to be concerned with. These are things that he does really, really well. Like it's kind of, it's like this, this like living game plan that's going to, you know, change as time goes on, but we can't drastically change it, you know, at the, in the 11th hour. Did you ever get a chance to talk to Donald or anybody in his camp? Uh, I've talked to him a bunch. Like I saw him, I saw him a couple times on fight week. Like I saw him Wednesday. I saw him Thursday. I saw him Friday. I saw him Saturday. Like it just, I saw him. I didn't see him Saturday. I saw him like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I talked a little bit after the fight happened. Uh, the fight didn't happen. Um, you know, like he sent me, you know, we were texting back and forth a little bit. He was telling me how sorry he was. And, um, and then he called me like maybe like Wednesday, I want to say after or Tuesday. And he was like, Hey, he's like, he had, he had a bunch of stuff that was going on. You know, he was supposed to be doing a movie somewhere like Thailand or something like that from like the, like, it was like May 27th to like June 20th or something like that. So, um, he's like, Hey, if you can do June 18th, he's like, I owe you the fight. I will pull out of this movie and I will, we can fight on June 18th. He's like, he's like, I don't want to pull out of it if you can't do that date, you know, but if you're, if you say you can do that date then I'll pull out of this movie and, and we'll do the fight. So that was kind of what happened, you know, but it was like a short conversation. You know, it wasn't, wasn't crazy. It was just like, ah, oh, like, bro, I'm so sorry. It sucks. I, I promise you I was sick. I promise, you know, whatever. And I believed him all. Like I, I definitely, I have no reason not to believe him. Um, you know, but that was pretty much it. You know, we, we talked about it and I'll see him again on fight week and be all, you know, shaking hands, hugging, whatever. And then we'll murder each other come Saturday night. Joe. When you first started doing this sport, there were a lot of people that thought you guys were crazy, just absolutely crazy. What are they thinking? And then as time has progressed, there have been wrinkles to uh, the fight game, stuff like bare knuckle, where now I've seen fighters that have gone through what you went through, even them kind of going, these guys are crazy. Uh, what, what do you think about stuff like that, like bare knuckle and life beyond, uh, say, the UFC? 
I, I definitely look at the bare knuckle guys, the way the boxers looked at us for sure. Right. I'm like, we, we went to smaller gloves, not because we were trying to like increase like the damage or whatever, but because we were trying to be able to grapple, you know, we needed gloves that we could grapple and wrestle with and stuff like that. Um, bare knuckle boxing though, is like, they're literally making smaller gloves so they can say that it's bare knuckle. Like that's really it. I mean, they could, they could be having, you know, the same exact rule set with MMA gloves. It'll be the exact same, but they're literally just doing it to try to like make it a little edgier. So it definitely, it definitely seems a little crazier to me, but I'm sure boxers felt the same exact thing about us. Like, Oh, you can knee someone in the head or you're going to tackle them or you, you choke people. You're going to choke people. So it's like, I get it. Um, but I definitely look at the bare knuckle boxes as being a little bit crazier than we are for sure. You know, we talked a little bit about be before the interview even started and we were talking about the, the five on five, seven on seven. Yep. And you said that actually kind of interests you. If you were to do it, who would you roll with? Like people that are relatively your size, who would you want on your team? Um, we got a kid, Tyler, at my gym that's phenomenal, like phenomenal grappler. Like I've been like, I've, I've, I've submitted him a couple of times in like the last year. And he submitted me like, he taps me like a drum. Like he's so good. He's my size. I would want Tyler on my team. Um, and he's not, he's not good at MMA, but he's got phenomenal jiu-jitsu. So I take him. Um, I get my brother for sure. He's, he's a little bit bigger right now. Uh, but we get him on a diet. We get him down. I mean, there's, I, th there's so many good guys that are, that are trained with us over the years that I think would, you know, like maybe not the best in the one-on-one, -on -one, but like they've been in a couple of street fights or they've been in fights outside that you, you'd want them on your team. Uh, it would be fun though. I, I think it would be, I think it'd be interesting. I think it's just, you know, there's a whole like extra layer to strategy that goes on there right you know for like i'm fighting cowboy i'm like okay he's good at this he's good at this he's good at this i'm good at this we can try to exploit this and blah 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 um but now it's okay it's like five on five it's like okay so their best guy is this guy okay so our two guys are gonna get that guy and then our other guy is gonna kind of you know try to fight two other guys and try to get you know drag them out it's like there's there's a lot more strategy that i think makes it very very interesting i think it'd be fun i like how he said in a couple street fights danny alone's probably been in a couple hundred <laughs> he, he and I are very different, but um, I want him on my team for sure. I, I must have missed this when I was taking the dump. Oh, I mean, restarting the computer. Um, did, was this five on five MMA in, on the street, or was this jujitsu? What, what was this that you and I think it was basically it's, it's basically MMA, right? I, I think it's in Russia. I don't even know, but I've seen the videos on like Reddit oh. and things like that. Literally, like just five guys start and they just they run at each other. And there's all kinds of like pylons. Well, so it's five lightweights against five lightweights, or is it open weight? I think it's just I it, I don't know if it's like a team way. I don't even know. I just well, I, well, I, I got a question, Joe. Five on five, you only came up with you, your brother, and your teammate. Come on, throw two more fifty fivers out there. Two guys that you think would be badass. You know that uh, that, that make us go, ooh, yeah, good point. I take Joe Proctor. Who used to train with us? Stop with the teammates. Come on. <laughs> so what? What? Who am I picking from? Who am I because picking? A lot, a lot of the audience doesn't know Proctor. I think he'd be already retired, right? I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. So you're saying just five, five? Just yeah, yeah. Just the, the random guys. UFC lightweights or whatever. Oh, 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 I got you. Okay. Um, fuck. I mean, you go, you go with some of the best guys going right now. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, mm -hmm. uh, Michael Chandler, uh, Charles Oliveira. Okay, those are your four. I guess those I like are your four. See, I like Danny because he's street savvy. Yeah, so he knows pin your back against so, a cave. Yep. Don't yep. get him from the back. No disrespect to what was he, the Tyler kid. He might have good jujitsu, but you usually don't want to wind up on the ground in a street fight when it's multiples. If it's one on one, like in Ty a pit, Tyler's a monster. Tyler's a monster. I think I would. I, I might take Tyler over the, even the four guys I just listed from the UFC. Really? Uh, he's he's really good. Yeah. And he, is he going to do MMA or is he doing it? 
Um, thinking about it, dipping his toes in. He's he's, he's been doing jiu-jitsu since he was like six. He's like twenty-one now. Uh, he's like fifteen years of jiu-jitsu. Um, so strong. Um, starting to do some some boxing, kickboxing. So we'll see. He trains okay. MMA a little bit, but has well, not. What yet. you're trying to convince him to do MMA? Um, not trying to convince him, but I think I think he wants to do it though. Is he kind of like what you're almost describing? Is almost like a Hamza Shemaev. Like this guy's a monster. He, he'll just take you to the ground and maul you. Is it something like that? Yeah, similar. Oh wow. Similar. Yep, he's good. And doesn't okay. know they didn't know a ton of MMA, uh, but he's been training MMA with us for like a year and a half now. Uh, yeah, it's getting really, really good. Chandler yeah. Oliveira, those are some good ones. Okay, yeah, they they throw Daichi yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, what about if it was open weight? So now you could take some heavyweights and light heavyweights with you. Uh, do we have like a team cap or can I pick all heavyweights? You're, you're the captain. So you can go with heavyweights, light heavyweights, middleweights, whoever you want. I don't know. Probably, probably heavyweights. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's, I mean, I, I think it really comes down to like a, it's almost like a speed thing. It's a numbers thing, right? It's like whoever can get, you know, make it from five on five to five on four or five on three, the fastest. I don't know. There, there's too many. I'd have to think about it more. I would I say Nganu's low hanging fruit. That's an easy one, right? He's smashing. Yep. Yep. And Bam Tuivasa, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Whitaker. Robert maybe Whitaker would be a nice Stipe. one. Stipe. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of good guys. Five on five, seven on seven. That almost sounds like just watching hooligans outside of a stadium. It's kind of fun, though, right? It's like guys, I, I think they fight with the Megalos. Um, <laughs> I think they don't. I, I've seen it with headgear and I've seen it without headgear. Oh, wow. Um, but, I've seen it on an obstacle course, kind of. Yeah, yep. With like yeah, platforms and pylons. And... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. All right, just a couple more here. So this is me being nosy. Hopefully you got win and show. when Because you, you had already made weight. Yep. So I know that in the history of the sport, if it's during the fight week, but you haven't made weight, they usually take care of the win. Or sorry, the show. But hopefully you made weight, you already woke up, and you're getting ready to go to the arena. That calls for a show as well. Or sorry, a win and show, right? Uh, so if the fight didn't happen, I would have pressed very, very aggressively to get my win money. Right. But like where they, 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 they rescheduled the fight six weeks later, they gave me my show money. I got my venom money. Uh, so I got, I got that. And if they, they rescheduled for six weeks later, I was okay with, with it happening. Cause like I, I started thinking about it. If, if he had pulled out on Tuesday, I get zero. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, but I made weight. So it's like, I, I got my show money and we're going to get, we're going to get our show money and everything again. So I'm okay with it. Like if, if the fight didn't happen, I would have very aggressively pushed to get my win money. Um, but if, if it's going to happen, then then I'm okay with just getting the show. Okay. Well, I think you're a veteran who's put in his time. And I know it's too late now, but I, I if I'm the promoter, I would have given you the win too. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the way it goes. I understand. Like, it's just, you know, Cowboy's never pulled out of a fight before, I don't think. Yeah. Just to, I would have given Cowboy his show, believe it or not. Um, because he's earned it too. I, I feel like you guys have earned your stripes. You punch the clock, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, and and your reputation precedes itself, so nobody questions like, oh, he pushed out. He didn't walk. Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely anxiety or no hell no. Something serious must have happened, man. That's two tough hombres right there. You know, yeah. you guys have almost a hundred fights between the two of you. A lot of fights, yeah. It's been a bunch. Yeah. Um, I, I also examined the card. Check this out, guys. So, because Joe's a bonus machine, right? So is Cowboy. Yeah. And ain't no way I don't think Chandler wasn't going to get a bonus, right? That was when he, what he did to uh, Tony Ferguson. Yeah. The other bonus went to Fialio. Um, Andre Fialio is his name. And he's the one that uh, that beat 
Cameron for uh, Van Camp. But, you know, fight of the night was Brandon Royville versus Matt Schnell, which, by the way, I enjoyed that fight. It was only one round, if I'm not mistaken. They went back and forth. Schnell knocked him down, then Royville came back. But I'm wondering, man, you know, like, there was a good chance Lausanne and Cowboys could have either gotten a submission, a KO. Joe's got 28 wins and 26 finishes, so I'm not stretching the truth here. Or maybe even a fight of the night, you know. So like that was one of those that was definitely up there for the grab. Could have been. It could. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have easily been a double bonus, right? I, I we could have had fight of the night, and then I could have gotten like a, a spectacular finish, and you know, um, could have easily been catch hundred thousand dollars in bonuses. Yeah, um, but it didn't happen. So we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about it. We're gonna we're gonna focus on June eighteenth, and you know maybe we'll get. I don't want any more fight of the nights. We'll take we'll take the performance bonuses. We don't need to fight nights. We just keep yeah. all my blood inside. Not have to go to the ER would be nice. I don't know. Did you say your kids are going to go then? Both of them? Uh they're not. They're both staying home. They're both um, staying home. But Joe, the oldest Joe, one kind of gets what's happening when daddy's winning, when daddy's losing, yeah. when yep. daddy's in pain. Joey, Joey understands a little bit. I think he kind of knows. Like, doesn't know that I'm kind of a big deal, but kind of does. Like he's mm-hmm. like he he's made comments about kids at school and things like that. Like uh, I, I told him that you fight on television and like whatever. Like uh, so I think he's starting to understand, but I don't think he fully understands. I want to flip a question on you now. Now that we're all grown up, years ago at the summer barbecues, you and your brother used to fight. You used to even yep. joke that you would fight him in MMA. Yep. Now that you're a dad, if your two kids grew up, now one's 22, the other one's 18, 26 and 22, whatever. And they flip it on you. What would you tell them? Um, I put gloves on and let them go at it. Stop it, Joe! Really? I, I think so. I mean, like if they, if they both train and they're both and like so, me and Danny was like I was like the quiet, respectful one, and Danny was being like the drunk asshole. So like, right. yeah, so it, that that had to work its way out, right? You know what I mean? Like, if my kids are both training, they're both into it, yeah. and I'm I don't, I'm, I'm like obviously you got to be you know a certain degree of control there. Oh, so you're talking about the summer barbecue? I'm talking about like an MMA promotion, a fight. Oh, oh, to fight each other? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. Wow. I, I don't I don't I don't know I don't know that I even want them to fight. Like I definitely I'm not in the the the, the both like, oh I definitely want both my kids to fight. Like, I don't. I want them both to know jujitsu. I think it's just good whether it's you know it's like it's a, it's a good hobby, gives you something to focus on, keeps you in shape, make a lot of friends from it. Like there's like there's a lot of good parts about jujitsu. I don't care if they fight or not, but if they want to fight, then I'm you know, obviously I'll help them. Um but if, if they wanted to fight each other, I mean, yeah. go for it. I thought if I asked Danny Lazon this question, he'd be like, hell yeah. But if I asked Joe Lazon this question, I'd go, hell no. I mean, this surprised me, but to me, it's like fighting is not like, I, I probably have like a, a, a warped sense of it, but like fighting is not like, it's not like a fight necessarily. It's like, it's like you're competing. It's like, oh, would you, would you play your brother in tennis? Like, yeah, I play my brother in tennis. You know, if it's just, we're just uh, the, the the rules of engagement are a little different, but it's still kind of the same thing in my brain. It is, you know, it's just mm-hmm. we're competing. We talked about your weight sometimes getting lower than it has, and then I went back and did a quick scan when Goes was asking his questions. Why did you never explore one forty five even once, just to see like like others? Pettis tried it, then he went back up. You know, a few Gil Melendez. How about you? You didn't go back deep enough. I did. I did a couple fights at one forty five uh, really? before the UFC. Yep. Oh, before the UFC, okay. Before the UFC, yep. You didn't go back far enough. So I fought um, Rafael Asensio down in Florida. Yeah. I lost. I, I threw him around. I was way bigger than him. And then he, he broke my arm in the second round. <laughs> um, or he, 
he broke my arm in the first round, but I, I wiggled out and didn't tap and then come out the second round, he ended up come on me. But um but he, he messed me up. So I I fought him at 45. I fought I have Menjivar at 145 before the UFC. Okay. Yeah. And I, I typically in uh I think when it would go to 145, I, I struggle with guys being a little bit faster than me. Whereas when I fight at 55, usually I'm a little bit faster and usually guys are not that much stronger than me. Like I'm not like I think people are generally surprised with how strong I am. Like I don't look super strong, but functionally I'm, I'm, I'm pretty strong. So there's been, I think Manny Gimberian was the only guy I ever fought that I felt was stronger than me. And he went down and fought, I think 35 or something. Uh, but Manny was so strong. Uh, but otherwise I never really had a trouble with someone being like too big for me. Manny was in your season, right? If I recall. Yep. Which season. Yep. So he, he knocked me. He's the one that, that beat me in the house. Before, you know, and then he went on to fight yeah. Nate, and he, he, his shoulder popped out. Have you watched the thirtieth season of The Ultimate Fighter? Is that the one that's going on right now? Yeah, I have not seen it. How, how is it? Has it been good? I've watched three out of five episodes. Yep. Um, I need to catch up. I I'm kind of over it, honestly. Yep. But I decided to give the ladies a chance because Juliana has a good way of chirping a little bit, and hey, I know gotta be yep. eating at Amanda that she not necessarily lost, but she lost so dominantly like i mean yep. she got steamrolled yep. and so i thought maybe the you know that might make it kind of fun and get me back into it and um i just haven't caught up so i'm i'm kind of into it a little bit the fights have been decent but i just feel like um you know it, 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 i don't know there's too much mma dana white contender series i i like to invest time I mean, into that it's hard i mean like you're you're most your valuable is like what <laughs> Ten shows a year, and then the Ultimate Fighter. Hey, no problem. Now there's 40 shows a year. The Ultimate Fighter and another 10 weeks of Dana White plus Bellator, PFL. You see what I'm saying? Your most valuable resource is your time, right? It's your most valuable resource. You have so much time. We all have the same amount of time in a day, in a week, whatever. Um, you know, it's just it's hard. It's it's hard to justify. You know, spending all of your time watching so many different shows. There's like literally you could be, have some kind of live in May on like almost like around the clock every night. Finish that off with you. You tease that you do watch a lot of TV. What are some favorite shows that you can that you're watching? Maybe one that's out of the norm that you would recommend. Um, out of the norm, uh, it's kind of dorky, but I love Silicon Valley. It's over now. I watched Mythic Quest, which was great. Uh, they'll come back with another season, I think. Uh, I'm watching uh Obi Wan Kenobi right now. The, the the third episode dropped this morning, which was like unbelievable. Like the the show's been good. First two episodes were good, but like the third episode was like unreal. Um, watch Stranger Things, like all, all, all the typical things I think everyone else watches, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Do you watch Mayans, the motorcycle game? I one? didn't watch Mayans. I watched Sons of Anarchy, but yeah. I just I never I never got into Mayans. Okay, what about um, Ozark? I just finished that. Yep, love Ozark. Um, loved Game of Thrones. They thought the last season was pretty bad, but uh, love Game of Thrones. Uh, like I said, Silicon Valley was really good. Um, I liked um, Space Force. You like, Wars, you like British? Out. You like the British accent shows from the other side of the pond? Yeah. Yep. I, I got one for you. Top okay. Boy. Watch Top Boy. Top Boy. Okay. Yeah. Check that out. I watched. Uh, I watched Peaky Blinders. First couple seasons. I think. Yeah. I, I, I need to get back into that one. Okay, but yeah. Top Boy. I'll check that out. Well, time is a resource, and you've given us over thirty minutes, and we always appreciate it. Always and, uh, yeah, it's a great time talking to you, man. Seriously, thanks as always. And I hope you have a, a great camp yet again for Donald Cerrone. Can't wait to watch this fight. And I guess now we have a little bit of a barometer, you know, how Joe uh, performs might have something to do with yeah. what, what this could be. 
But obviously, at the end, it'll be your decision. But it's it's been an awesome career, man. Twenty six out of twenty eight fights, you know, get finished by Joe uh, KOs or submissions. He, he's got a little bit of both, and that's that's awesome, man. That's that's why fans show up to the arena. We want some sort of a finality, not like all this bullshit going on with judges and criticism. It's it's so hard. It's so hard with judges. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I push so hard to finish fights because you never know what a judge is going to say. You have guys that, you know, sometimes the judge is qualified, sometimes the judges know. It's like, how do you compare, like, a whole bunch of punches versus a whole bunch of submission attempts? It's like, it's really hard to compare the two. So you just never know what you get with a judge. Whereas if, at least if I, if I go out and I either gas out or I, I submit someone, I know one or the other. It has nothing to do with, you know, someone else's input that had nothing to do with it. You, mm-hmm. know? you know, what's hard to believe is Rose and what the fuck? Oh, Carla. Uh-huh. Carla. At a 10 9 in round one. And so did, uh, and, and then the round two of Sterling and Jan was also a 10 9, which I think it was closer to a 10 8, and I think the other one was closer to a 10 10, but that just shows you the disparity in 10 9s. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's you know, like- all coaches and fighters convincingly win the rounds. The, the onus is still on you, unfortunately. The judges ain't changing, the refs ain't changing. And everyone's going to keep on twitting. The only one that gets hurt is the fighter, man. That's why the onus is on the fighter, unfortunately. Yep. I I, th- I think that, you know, there should be 10-10 rounds. I think there should be even rounds. If, if, if nothing happens, if there's, like, nothing substantial that happens, I think there should be a 10-10 round. That, that's one thing I think should be changed about scoring. Is like, if you're not doing anything, it should be a 10-10. I, I would like to see that. I don't like the 10-point muscle has. Because they said, like, one person does almost, they just barely does, like, lands, like, one extra punch. And that's a 10-9. You know, or or we have to completely change how we do it, and we need to make like 10 and 10 eights and ten sevens and ten sixes like way more common. Yeah, you know. All right, hard. brother. Thanks again, man. Good luck uh, on June eighteenth. You know, we'll, as always, we'll be watching. No problem. Thank you, guys. Take care, Jeff. See you. All, right. All right, goes. You remember now when we're watching Cerrone versus Lazan? As long as he's competing, and should he win, the gloves probably aren't coming off at least right then and there. He can go back home. And say, you know what? That was cool. I'm done. But if he does take a head kick and it ends bad, he's really thinking about his family. That could be it, whether he takes them off right then and there. So he gave us a couple hints. But, boy, is that guy a vault, isn't he? He is. I mean, I completely understand where he's coming from. He's one of those guys that has always had that opinion where you don't feel like you're talking to a fighter because he knows how to step back. And, and kind of evaluate when fighters are going a little crazy and just saying weird things. But you also don't feel like you're you're, you're talking to a fan. He's something in the middle, and he has a, a real cool way of looking at things, a real realistic way of looking at things. And I get that. I get he doesn't want to put his family through all that, and I understand that. Uh, he gave us a lot of scenarios. You know, he could win and be back or not be back. He could lose and be back or not be back. The only thing we know for certain is if he gets absolutely starched, that's going to be it. And, um, you know, Donald Cerrone is not a guy to be messing around with. So it's going to be a tough fight, but uh, I I don't know who I lean lean to on this one, George. Well, first round and a half, I lean Lazan. If I continues past that, I lean Cowboy. It's as easy as that. It's grappler versus striker, except that striker is one hell of a grappler himself, Donald Cerrone. Lozon has shown us some hands in the past. He ended Melvin Goulard's trek towards his title shot in Houston a long time ago. But, you know, 
those are a little bit far and more few in between. He does have TKO stoppages, but that's basically him pounding the shit out of someone on the ground. Either way, man, look, both guys, it's it's at this point to nitpick their games. Don't worry about it. These guys are solid in every department. It's going to be fun. They already earned their reputations. So I just hope they have a blast as they start to really, you know, wind down their careers. I think they deserve that. Yeah, for sure. Did you hear about Paulo Costa? He went to get a vaccine, and then it appears that, you know, one side saying, well, he knew he wasn't going to get it, but he tried to take the card, and the other side saying that he was just trying to walk away, and they pulled his arm, and so he yanked it away. Anyway, there's this elbow to a nurse um, that's being investigated. Have you looked into it? What are your thoughts? Let me just say this. I follow Paulo, and he's very, very controversial in certain regards the things he says and does. Um, I've also I'm of the opinion that he is uh, just like in the United States, there's a left and a right when it comes to politics in Brazil, same thing. And I've definitely seen him lean right. So I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what's going on over there, but at least his management went so far as to put out a statement and take this serious and not just kind of brush it off as Paulo's crazy. What do you want from him? It's difficult because all you can do is just read what's out there. And based off of that, and a little bit of maybe maybe some of his history in other departments, yeah, I mean, you can kind of tie things together and go, all right, I, I can maybe see this happening. But the one, the one benefit that I have is I've actually met him and mm-hmm. been around him. And, and he actually showed up to the studio early, I believe, that day. And I think he might have even stayed late. He seemed like a really nice guy, a really good person. So I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But, uh, I mean, you're right. You know, it's not hard to really look up social media and some of the things he says and and put everything together. But uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Couldn't have been nicer. You're right. I remember that time as well. And speaking English. And then, of course, you know, the, the, chick, the chicks dig him. He's got the looks. He had the undefeated record. I just thought, oh, man, this guy's got a trajectory. Just as our Brazilian heroes were starting to go away, you know, Noguera, Silva, Aldo, who's going to be the new crop? I go, that's going to be one guy right there. And, of course, he had one hell of a letdown of a of a fight versus Israel Adesanya. And so I thought, well, can he piece it back together? But there's just lulls. There's just these injuries, these controversies. And remember, I don't know if I said it here on Triple G, he is like – I feel like he's just one strong uh, strong arm tactic away from the UFC going, whatever you're left, here, you're, here's some checks, go, go away. You know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're heavy, you're high maintenance, I guess. I, I'm Good certainly look. not cheering for that, but I, I, I'm entitled to form opinions after following the sport and covering sport for 15 years, following it for longer, covering it for 15 and seeing these situations arise like that. Yeah, it's a little bit of a headache. You know, that's something that the UFC doesn't have to deal with. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Someone that's just starting off their career, they're still undefeated, except they're O and O. He'll understand. Uh, Bo Nickel. We're going to talk to him. Interview came through, so let's let's set the stage here. Bo Nickel, of course, is going to be fighting this Friday for Jorge Masvidal's uh, icon card out in Richmond, Virginia.
What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar in the world of combat sports. This time we get to talk to Bo Nickel, who's going to be fighting at Icon FC in Virginia on June 3rd. That's this Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Start Time. You can watch the Icon FC fight card on the UFC Fight Pass. Bo is going to be making his professional debut in mixed martial arts versus John Nolan. Welcome, Bo. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Just uh, got down here to Richmond, so quick five-hour drive, and yeah, I'm just excited to be here and ready to compete. Right on. So let me ask you a question. You know, I know you want to carve out your own identity and your own path, but I'm sure you've seen a lot of wrestlers because wrestlers have really done so great in MMA. So you've probably seen different generations of wrestlers that have come into our sport and had different types of successes. Is there one that has a similar path to the one that you are uh, seeking to, for, you know, for yourself? Um, you know, as far as the, the path goes, I, I wouldn't say so just because I want to, you know, figure this out my own way. And I feel like after having assessed a lot of people's careers, you know, I see a lot of positive and negatives from different people and things that they've done well, things that they've you know done wrong. And so for me, I think that there's not really a clear cut path to follow that's been laid out but there is for sure a lot to learn from all the guys that have come before me and I'm grateful to have um, awesome competitors and wrestlers and athletes that have experienced this before I, I have so I can learn from them and you know not only learn how they handled their careers but learn technical aspects and the way that they you know approach fights and approach a sport so I mean, there's a lot of people to learn from, but I feel like for me, you know, I'm really carving my own path and I don't really see anybody that's going to be doing things similarly to me, but I feel good because now with me, I can kind of do that. And then, you know, there's a lot of, there's a younger generation behind me at Penn state that these guys are, you know, coming up and wanting to start fighting here soon. So I can kind of, you know, help them uh, deal with some of the stuff that I've had to go, that I'll have to go through. What wrestler, and I'm, again, zeroing in specifically on wrestlers, because I think you guys are a fraternity, you know, and um, is, has there been one or a couple that have given you advice that's, that stands out? Definitely. I mean, a guy that's given me some good advice is Phil Davis. Uh, I, I've, only, I've never got to, like, work with him in the gym, but he's given me good advice uh, as far as approaching the sport um, of an aspect of, like, how to get the most out of myself and uh, – to be like, you know, savvy in a business and entrepreneurial relationship uh, type of way. And so, you know, he's given me some great advice. And then um, all the guys down at American Top Team, I, I think, you know, Coach Mike Brown, uh, wrestling-based guy who has given me tons of good advice, you know, technically helping me uh, grow and learn a lot. And then also, you know, he's had so many years in the sport and he's been, you know, WEC champ, reached the pinnacle of the sport. So, you know, just a wealth of knowledge and experience. So those guys uh, definitely are people that I, I look to and look to learn from and see as uh, people that I can trust and go back to for advice. Nice shout out to the coach. A lot of people don't remember that he did hold a major belt. He was the WEC champ before running into Jose Aldo, but still, um, that dude's a stud, great coach. If I'm doing the math quickly in my head, you were probably about 10 years old when he was doing that. Have you been a fan that long? Do you remember that? Or is it more about just kind of looking up at the wall and, and recognizing what, what happened before you? No, I definitely remember that. I've been a fan of the sport from a young age. I've always loved MMA ever since it, it first started. You know, I think 
some of the like the first fight I really remember was probably like Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, like old like Ultimate Fighter days, like the very first season. That was kind of when I was introduced to MMA, and you know from there watching Chuck Liddell, Rashad Evans, you know George St. Pierre, Tiago Alves, all those dudes coming up. Like I, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of the sport, and I continue to study it. So you know when I'm watching film, I'm obviously watching a lot of recent film stuff that's happening you know here and now but i like to go back and get nostalgic sometimes and, and watch old old fights too yeah those are some good ones um i want to go back to the wrestling thing here something that i've learned from covering the sport for over 15 years is wrestlers are difficult to break wrestlers don't miss practices like they don't skip practices you know they really really spill everything they have into their preparation and you know they they just know how to dig deep now, there's been a lot of wrestlers like yourself that have come from uh, with success like you did, you know, winning major titles. And But here's what stood out to me. Guys like Couture, Cormier, even Lawal, we mentioned him earlier, they never won a collegiate title like you did three times. But yet when we asked them, hey, you know, uh, what do you think kept that drive up? And it was the fact that they had not had that success that kept it going. So how do you make sure that you also, I guess, uh, even though you've tasted success, still have that type of hunger that drove them? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. For me, um, I think first off, first and foremost is I love what I do. I love the sport. I love I loved wrestling for a long time, and I, I still love wrestling, and I love MMA now. I'm more passionate about MMA than anything else, and so – for me, a lot of that motivation is just internal. Like, I want to be the best. It's just my nature to win. And, uh, you know, for me, that's just kind of God's ingrained that in me. And so, you know, coming from that foundation, uh, it's it's enough in my mind. But at the same time, while I did have a lot of success in college and, you know, I've had a lot of success in the past, like, I never really – I honestly haven't achieved my goals. And my goal going into college was to be a four-time undefeated national champion. And, you know, people – when I said that in high school, looked at me and they were like, like they, they didn't even really take it seriously. And, um, but that was my goal. That was what I was setting out to do. And unfortunately I, I didn't achieve that. You know, I ended up winning three national titles and taking three losses on my career. So for me, I look back at, at all those losses and the things that I haven't achieved. And that motivates me a lot. You know, I, you know, most people would probably be satisfied and happy to have had the career that I had. And, I feel good about it. I feel like I I made the most of it and did everything I could do to be the best I could be. But at the same time, I'm not really like that wasn't what I set out to achieve. And so for me, moving forward into MMA, I still have that motivation. I still have hunger. And my goal is to be the pound for pound number one guy on the planet. You know, I'm not just looking to be a champion in an organization or be, be UFC champion. Like I want to be the best fighter on the planet, regardless of weight class. So that's what I'm gunning for. That's what I'm shooting for. And um, I'm, I'm very motivated by that and excited, uh, for the opportunity to be able to achieve that. Nice. And to be clear, folks, uh, it's not like, um, this is some sort of a jinx because there have been national champions that have won the major titles like Johnny Hendricks, Phil Davis, a f- uh, former Nittany line as well. Darian Caldwell all have won major titles. So it really, it's worked for some, it hasn't worked for others, but, um, again, still, one of the best solid foundations for mixed martial arts. And, you know, a lot of people say as well that, you know, if, if you can explain to us 
folk style versus the freestyle, you know, what's done overseas, what's done collegially. How do you feel like it benefits mixed martial arts or doesn't? Well, you know, the difference, uh, they're really two different sports if you if you get into it. You know, obviously there's a lot of stuff that is similar that transitions over, but, you know, what we do in America as far as collegiate style, folk style wrestling is completely unique um, to wrestling in the world, right? Like the rule sets, the times, uh, how long you're competing for, how often you're competing, everything is unique about it. And, you know, to kind of pinpoint the main differences for somebody that's not super aware is international styles, you know, freestyle uh, and the Olympics. If you get a takedown, the ref brings you up to your feet after about 10 seconds. So, you know, you might get a score a two point takedown on the guy. And if you go out of bounds or if you, you, you are down there for a little while, the ref will just say, All right, blow the whistle and bring you back up. In folk style wrestling, if I take somebody down, they've either got to, I've either got to let them up or they've got to get away from me. Like I, I, I can hold them down for the entire match. So, you know, if I get a takedown the first period, first period is three minutes long, I can hold you down the entire period. So as far as like how that transitions over to MMA, obviously folk style is way more applicable just based on the fact that you're holding people down. You're, you're using different techniques to ride people and, and, and bring them back down to the mat, different stuff like that. Whereas in freestyle, it's like, you know, you, you, there's not nearly as much wrestling on the mat or nearly as much control. So, you know, I feel like with my folk style experience and accolades that, you know, they, they definitely transition over to MMA the best as far as what style of wrestling transitions well. So do you feel like um, folk style also has hindered the next level of success, meaning the international uh, scene, uh, Olympics, and and and, and uh, the World Championships. Does that maybe not, not hinder, but well, maybe yeah, stunt the growth of a wrestler um, who wants to achieve at that level. Oh, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, like we're competing in two different sports, right? Like we we wrestle folk style pretty much our whole life, trying to you know become state champions and collegiate national champions, and then when we're 22 years old, we're expected to transition over to freestyle and you're really learning a, a whole new sport. Now you can, you can wrestle all three. So folk style, freestyle and Greco Roman. So for me, I wrestled all three growing up, but you're really splitting time, you know, like it's uh, you're really doing three different, three different things. And uh, it's, it's hard to be, it's hard to be the best at one thing when you're trying all, all different things. So, you know, I think it definitely hinders Americans, on the international scene and, you know, with the Olympics, but at the same time, you know, there's things in folk style wrestling that kind of help as far as different techniques and different things that different styles and ways to wrestle that you wouldn't necessarily learn in freestyle. So there are benefits, but overall I would say it's a net net negative on our country as far as like how well we do as a sport in, or how well we do in the sport in the Olympics and world championships. I think if we only wrestled freestyle, we would do a lot better. Bo, so like George mentioned, we've been doing this for a long time and we've talked to a lot of fighters at the start of their career. One of them, Daniel Cormier, also a wrestler. And I remember a story that we kind of laughed about last time we talked to him. When he was first fight, when he first came on our show, I think he was like one and out. He was not allowed to throw any type of kick. His coaches would not allow it. They said, you're horrible at it. Don't ever do it. 
and we were just laughing at his progression and, and everything that happened since then. But my question to you is, I know you're a fan of the sport. Are there any particular, is there like a Bo Nickel uh, bucket list of finishes that something that you've seen that maybe you, you're not capable of doing just yet, but before the career's over, you want to get one of those? Oh yeah, that's so funny that you mentioned that. I, I actually like think about this all the time as far as bucket list stuff that I want to do. But um, one of them, the funny that you mentioned like the kicks is a head kick. I want to get a head kick knockout so bad. Like I just think that's so different from what I'm used to. And that was, you know, like like Cormier, that's one of like, to me, the hardest techniques to kind of uh, get as a wrestler. Cause we're always bent over in a stance, you know, we're not like upright and our hips are, hips are a little tighter, not as loose. So. That's something that I've worked out, a t worked on a ton is just getting that mobility, getting that range of motion and being able to throw kicks fast and quick without telegraphing it. So that's definitely a goal for me. And another thing that I always liked was uh, elbows. So, you know, if I could get some knockouts with elbows, whether that's like on the feet or on the ground, that would be pretty cool. And I want to get a bunch of different finishes, a bunch of different submissions. So like for me, I would love like if at the end of my career, I had the most finishes out of anybody um, that's competed and, and for those to be like in all different ways, like as many different ways as possible. You know, I don't necessarily want one technique that I, it's just like OP overpowered and I just like hit it all the time. I want to have obviously a lot of solid stuff, but I want to be able to finish people as many different ways as possible. So hopefully by the end of my career, I've checked off a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, like I said, head kick and elbows for now, but as I grow and learn, I'm sure there'll be tons more to, to add to that. Now, I know that the best case scenario for a fighter is get in, get your, your victory, and get out. But is there something, too, because your career is so early, uh, maybe getting a little bit of cage time? Like, is there a part of you that hopes this one maybe goes a little longer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, for me, this is about development. This is about continuing to improve and get better. So there are things that I want to work on uh, going into this fight. There's, you know, specific stuff that I feel like it would be good for me to see in a fight. But it's also a fight. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going in there to mess around and 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 see what I can do. Like, I'm going in there to finish this dude. So that's how I'm going to approach every fight. I'm going in there to finish this dude. And I'm working on all these different techniques to be able to do that and to be able to implement that. And so in my mind, yeah, I have a few things that I want to kind of do in this fight. But I'm going to make sure that I go out there ready to go. And every single second, I'm... I'm aware and, and in the moment, and I'm, I'm going to make the most out of it regardless of where the fight goes. You know, here in Vegas, our, our home gym is Extreme Couture, and every now and again, you'll get a fighter that comes in, and they specialize in one thing, and they're the best at it, but they have to encompass everything. And, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about the mentality of being one of the best at something, but then having to reprogram yourself to be able to adapt and learn and be taught again, because you're usually the one telling people how to do things. What was that like for you to kind of take a step back and, and be the student again? For me, that's honestly one of the most exciting parts of transitioning over to MMA. You know, obviously with wrestling, I, I wrestled for 20 plus years and I poured my heart and soul into the sport and, and learned so much. And, you know, there would always be more to learn in wrestling. There's always going to be, you know, new techniques and different stuff to learn but i was pretty i was pretty far up there as far as how much i knew um and so to be able to start over and start from square one and learn all these different disciplines and techniques 
learning jujitsu, learning Muay Thai, learning boxing. Like I just love it because I love to learn. I love all the different aspects of MMA. And for me, obviously, people know me as a wrestler, and I'll continue to wrestle and improve that part of my game. But I'm looking forward to becoming more and more well-rounded each day and having those other disciplines and techniques catch up to my wrestling. And so, you know, like I said, it's going to be hard to catch up with uh, 20 year plus years of experience, but I definitely enjoy like immersing myself in all these other disciplines and learning everything I can about them. Two quick ones on the way out. You've already stopped somebody via TKO and you've already submitted somebody early on, which one felt better? Definitely the knockout. It was crazy. It, I, I, it was weird because I felt like uh, I felt like I missed him when I hit him. And a lot of people told me this would happen, but it's like almost when you land the clean shot, they uh, it doesn't it, it, it like doesn't really feel like anything because you just catch their chin perfect. So when I got that uh, that when I landed that punch, it was like such a cool feeling. But I like I like strangling guys too. So you know I don't really discriminate as far as where the fight goes and how I'm going to finish people. But I definitely uh, enjoyed both of them. But the knockout was was pretty unique to what I'm uh, I'm used to. Because, you know, you, you, cho- you choke people in wrestling once in a while. And that happened to me in wrestling matches where, you know, not on purpose, but, you know, I had just – I had put people unconscious in a match before. So that wasn't, like, that unique to me. But the knockout was just, like, so unique. I'd never knocked anybody out before. Um, so that was pretty special. You know, back when you referenced Bonner and Griffin, that was around the same time Rampage was slamming people to finish the fights. What did you think of uh, somebody like Quinn Rampage using, you know, a slam to end fights too? Like, I imagine you were young and probably wowed by like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, I, I love seeing any type of crazy technique happen. There's just so much you can do in the sport. And you know, Rampage was a guy that had the craziest finishes and always, you know, throwing bombs or slamming dudes, stuff like that. So, you know, for me, I just love seeing stuff that's like kind of uh, like something you've never seen before. And so, you know, I, I'm gonna definitely going to be in my, all my fights trying to bring that to the to the fans and the crowd. So anytime I'm fighting and I can guarantee you, you're going to see something that, you know, you've never seen before, whether that's a different way to do a technique or something or figuring out being creative myself, figuring out ways to blend styles and mesh them together. But, yeah, I think that's one of the coolest parts of MMA, and it's definitely something that I'm going to be looking to do in all my fights, make sure that it's nonstop action and that give the fans what they want and have them see something that, you know, they'll never see again or they've never seen before. I lied. One more. What's your walkout song? Oh, wow. My walkout song is Hand of God by John Bellion. So I've actually been walking out to this song since probably, like, my sophomore year in college. So it'll be my walkout song for this fight and every moving forward so yeah that's it i always tell the young fighters here's a tip after you do the you know they put the vaseline they check the cup your nails the mouthpiece you do the hugs with your teammates when you walk up those steps don't walk in right away turn around and roar at the crowd and watch how they roar back at you they will connect with you and you'll make fans that night because of that connection um, that's the important thing is to start building that army that, that's going to follow you throughout your career. But that's one little free tip of advice from a West Coast guy to an East Coast guy. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's pretty sick. I'm definitely going to be doing that. So, uh, yeah, thank you for the advice. I appreciate you all having me on, too. This was fun.
the best in the business at it was Vanderlei Silva and Uriah Faber. They did that, and they the crowd would always go nuts. It's been our pleasure to have you on, man. And what you've done in wrestling has been, frankly, amazing. I know you weren't undefeated, but three national titles, for crying out loud, that's like, you know, that's something else. Um, and hopefully we took your mind away from the wake up for at least these 20 minutes. Sorry for going a little longer, but thank you. Thank you for the time on Fight Week. And Absolutely. you're a sharp dresser, by the way. You're a real sharp dresser, just like myself. <laughs> I appreciate Yeah, there we go. I like it. We're twinning. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right, Bo Nickel. Take care, man. Thanks, guys. Talk to you yeah. later. Later. Well, that fella couldn't have been any nicer, right? Yeah, he's a cool cat. He's somebody that I've been wanting to interview for a very, very long time because I've heard his name for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's finally made that transition, and uh, I'm glad that we actually got to, to meet him and, and talk a little MMA this time. So I wonder if we'll ever go away from folk style and look towards freestyle. I mean, look, you're turning back the clock on the history of wrestling in the collegiate levels on our country. But at the same time, the three-point shot wasn't around till 1980. Or sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Uh, the two-point conversion in football, it, you know, it came around. Interleague play in baseball, it all came around during our lifetimes. Uh, a lot of stuff that we thought could never um you know, would alter the game, you know, this would be a big one. But at the same time, I know the United States loves competing at that level as well, internationally and the Olympics. And we always seem to fall short to other countries that have done freestyle all their lives. I don't think it'll happen. I bet, I mean, I'm not the biggest wrestling dude, but I don't know, when it comes to Olympic games and all that, it's all about tradition, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But if you have a young kid... And he says, I want to be an MMA, an MMA fighter when I grow up. Well, then they're kind of on the right path doing the folk style in high school and in college. Because like Bo Nickel said, once you get the fight to the ground, you can keep it there. Hey, one last thing here before we bounce. Dan Ige, I was a little sad to see that he was a little bitter. His quote, bitter over the sport. You know, Dan is a guy that we met as first, honestly. I mean, I knew he was a fighter. I saw him train. But the first time I shook his hand was, this is one of my like junior agents, something like that. Ali Abdelaziz said, as he brought Dan to the studio and he was kind of grooming Dan, not only as Dan was making his way up, up the ranks as a fighter, but to, as someone to be part of dominance MMA. And of course, Dan made it up to a top five featherweight. He's had a couple tough losses, but now he's got a big fight coming up uh, in a couple weeks. And so to see that, I'm like, Ooh, usually I hear that to, about fighters towards the end of their career because, you know, some of them are suffering from headaches or bad backs or bad necks or bad knees or the money that, you know, that they could have made or whatever. And this is a guy that's in his prime and, and uh, you know, I don't know, kind of kind of made me sad to, to hear him say that. A little bit. I think anytime fighters, when you hear them say bitter, I think it's usually a phase where the fighter is looking for answers. And when they find that those answers, whether they're, it's something from the outside causing problems or them themselves. Uh, once they figure that out, they get happy again. And maybe that's just what Dan had to go through to put him to where he is now. But, I mean, you you wouldn't know it. Anytime I ever see him, he's got a smile on his face. He's always cracking jokes. Uh, good, good, good fighter, good person. But I do feel like sometimes he can kind of be his own worst enemy in the cage. And that, those are the things that are a little bit easier to correct than what some other fighters have to go through. So um, as long as they can dial things in, I, I think he could still uh, put on some great fights. 
For sure. 15 and 5 overall, 7 and 4 in the UFC. Very respectable. He's got job security. He has lost two in a row, but he's also had some nice wins. Um, and now he's got a tough, tough undefeated fighter in Movslev Evolev. And they're going to be fighting at UFC Fight Night 207 this Saturday. And quick reminder, folks, for the, for those that don't uh, aren't paying attention, these fights start at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And then the main card is at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific. So it's an early Saturday. Your Saturday night will be free, but things start early, especially if you're on the West Coast. So pay attention because it's an early offering by the UFC. And uh, you can catch Dan Ige fighting on the main card on Saturday. Again, Mosar, Mosar. Am I saying that right? Evloev is his opponent, undefeated overall. Tough cat. This is a big, big fight. This is a nice one for him to bounce back at. The gist of what I got goes was, you know, he his nickname is 50K Dan K. When you can win, you get all three checks, especially if you take home that 50K. And so when you lose, you know, like you feel like you're almost working for one-third of what you were getting. You know what I mean? I think he went through a little bit of that at the same time as his family grew. Because let's face it, man, everyone that shows up this weekend is counting on both checks. You know, that's the harsh reality of it is when they only give you one and you're like, oh, man, like this isn't a good feeling. Aside from the fact you just got your ass kicked in front of millions at home, thousands in the arena. Yeah, no, I could see him going through something like that. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, listen, I I do want to give you one last reminder. Goes and I will be doing a watch along for UFC 275. It's coming up on June 11th. So basically... Uh, 10 days from now, uh, or a week from this Saturday, that's the fight card that has Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prochaska, along with Valentina Shashenko against Talia Santos. Plus, don't forget, Joanna Yanjacek is facing Zhang Weili in the epic rematch of their 2020 encounter that had many listing it as the fight of the year. So it should be a fun, fun... <laughs> you all right, guys? Got something in my throat. <laughs> it should be a fun, fun night. Um, for our watch along, and want to thank uh, US Today Sports as always, along with our friends at Panda and of course, typical sports books. So, we wanted to give you as much um, advance notice to spend the, the night with us watching the fights. All right, before Goes has an attack, we're gonna bounce out of here. Enjoy the week, keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week, and don't forget about the early start time for the UFC. This Saturday. Oh, Volkov versus Jarzino Rosenstruck is your main event, in case you're wondering. All right, folks, we're out of here. Go out there and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.